Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be with you on this Tuesday, the 9th, May 19th of 2020. It's always a pleasure uh, to come to you and and, uh, and to have you join us, wherever you may be, whatever part of the country, part of the world you may be in. It's a delight uh, to come and, and be together as we study the Word. Right before we get into our Bible study today, uh, we received the news uh, this morning of the death of um, a great general of the faith, a great man of God, Brother Ravi Zachariah, uh, passed away to be with the Lord. And and uh, I, um, I just wanted to say something about it. I know, Brother Marty, you'll probably say something, Brother Fernando, if you want to say anything about this too. But, um, you know, through the years... Uh, you know, I know for myself, I've, I've been touched by his ministry, uh, apologetics ministry, uh, for many years, seeing him uh, going to especially uh, college and university campuses, contending for the faith, answering the questions. And literally, he's traveled all over the world uh, um, defending the faith and, 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 and contending for the faith. And and really answering those questions that many people uh, have. And uh, we had the privilege of, in 2017, we had the privilege to go to uh, RZIM, which is his ministry, and I think it's in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, he had just opened up a new facility, I think, in uh, 2017. And, and one of the first events that was there, we, we had the privilege of going. It was, uh, we brought, the Lord allowed us to bring about eight or nine uh, high school students to that event. And and that's where um, we I heard uh, Ravi Zachariah for the first time in person. And, man, I tell you, uh, uh, that message, there was, I'm never going to forget it. There was a presence upon that word that he brought. Literally, uh, I, I wept as he spoke. Uh, he spoke on, he was speaking, some of the things he spoke about was that at his age, uh, you know, there was a lot of reason for him to retire, but he couldn't do it. He he felt he needed to continue to take this torch and bring the gospel to the world. It was a very personal and intimate uh, setting. And he, he spoke about the dangers and, and the threats, even upon his life, uh, going to other countries and taking the gospel. And it just really touched me in a profound way, hearing uh, this man, his humility, in his heart and his drive to to take this gospel, and that has made a uh, made a great impact in his life. We also had an opportunity uh, with Pastor Fernando to go to uh, I think it was a leadership uh, a church leaders conference that we went to, and and you know we had an opportunity uh, to meet him, a very humble man, and we had a, an opportunity to to see what God is doing. So. At this point, I just tell you to ask you to please help us pray for the Zachariah family, his his wife, his 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 daughters, his uh, his staff. That I know, as all of us are grieving. You know, these are men that cannot be replaced, right? They they leave a void. Uh, uh, they're they're tremendous men that God uses, but we can only pray and say, God, help us to continue to take this gospel. So that's that's my words. I just wanted to say that. Before I turn it to uh, Brother Marty, Brother uh, Fernando, did you want to say anything concerning uh, Brother Ravi? No, we, we know that he's in a better place, and 
um, again, I think it's a sign to us as a generation that, uh, um, you know, the great men of God uh, are leaving us, which means that there's a void that uh, many of us uh, that are listening and, and, you know, people around the world are going to have to step up and fill. The gospel must continue to go forth. And uh, that's that's what this tells me, you know. Um, but we pray for the family. We pray for uh, all those uh, who, who are grieving. But, again, we don't grieve like the world, right, because we know that he's in a better place. And uh, we know that uh, Jesus is coming back again. And whether we die or he comes, we're going to see him one day. Um, and, yeah, he, he's a very impact, impactful figure um, uh, concerning apologetics and, and really went to the secular uh, colleges and universities of, of higher learning in, in our nation. And, 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 and the doors were open for him to preach the gospel to the next generation, right, the next generation of, of brilliant minds that, that will lead this nation. So hopefully they... Uh, they they got an opportunity to hear the gospel and and hopefully you know uh, uh, you know wh- wherever God puts them that young generation in places of power and influence that that uh, you know they they can share Jesus as well so absolutely uh, it is definitely uh, something that uh, um, that we knew was coming but uh, we know He's in a better place. Praise God! Praise God! And Brother Marty, and I know you'll, you know, I'll, I'll leave it with you uh, for the study of the word and any words you have to say, Brother. It's always a pleasure to be with uh, you two men of God with the panel, uh, Brother Marty, uh, Brother Fernando. And uh, Brother Marty, we'll leave it here with you. Well, praise the Lord. It's, uh, it is it is with a heavy heart and yet a hopeful heart that, that we, we do our podcast today. Uh, like you all have said, the um, so well you know a great man of god went home to be with the lord today and i remember uh you know when i heard the news i i i shed a tear uh because it's just a it's like brother jeremy said it's hard to replace i mean how can you replace an original you just can't right. but it really the i really sense the presence of god as we're witnessing transition of generation uh, there are reasons that that men of God go home. He was still young, you know. And the older I get, the younger <laughs> everything seems. <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, he was only seventy-four years old, but he went. He he preached to probably the last two or three weeks of his life, and it's an extraordinary testimony. But also, I believe that such major leaders, uh, when they leave, uh, whether it be Moses to a Joshua or Elijah to an Elisha, or the Lord to his apostles, or a Paul to a Timothy. As Brother uh, Fernando said, the gospel goes forward. But these yes. transitory uh, departures uh, uh, are are uh, very much uh, to be reflected upon, especially by those who who are preachers of the gospel or or, or elders who just share the word. We need to reflect, and, and so that brings us to our subject today. We won't be long today. We're we're going into part number two, but uh, God rest his soul in the arms of our Lord and, and bless his family, and and we and we pray the ministry going forward. But it it brought such a sense of even more seriousness as I began to meditate uh, this morning on on what it is the Lord has for us, 
as we continue part two of the fourth man in the fire. Today we'll be coming to you from Daniel chapter three. If you have your Bibles, please. Daniel chapter three, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, these scriptures. And, and Brother Jeremy, if you could be ready in chapter one, that would be great. So Daniel yes. chapter three begins with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16. They answered and they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so that our God whom we serve, uh, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, you know, before we begin to get into this uh, today, uh, and like I said, I encourage you to to listen and, and to uh, to share these podcasts with others. I want to take a brief, just a really brief review of what we looked at yesterday. Uh, the children of Israel at, at, the, at the account of this story have been in captivity now for several years. Um, they were led into captivity be, uh, in, by a global empire, the Babylonian Empire. Before they were led into captivity, as we looked at yesterday, uh, when they were still in Jerusalem, over the years and over over the decades, they had begun to see a an eroding of the fabric of the foundation of what made them, in essence, a great people, which was that they, out of all, had been selected to be the people who would be uh, have the the Lord reveal Himself to them, taking them out of slavery by the hand of of Moses, His servant, leading them into the Promised Land by Joshua, who's a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then through uh, several hundred years, uh, conquering the promised land, ridding it of, of the evil peoples of, uh, of, of the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, and all the other ites that God told them to drive out. And, and it would culminate in, in the capture of Jerusalem by the great King David. And before David passed his throne and, and, and went home to be with the Lord, he was given architectural plans by the Holy Spirit uh, of the great temple of God, which would rest on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, which his son, King Solomon, uh, would would build. And through the years after Solomon passed away, the kingdom would split into two separate distinct nations. One would be made up of the 10 tribes of Israel with their capital city in Samaria, in Bethel led by a rebellious king by the name of Jeroboam, which 10 tribes would ultimately, because of their idolatry and gross compromise, never having a, a legit priesthood and never having a legit king who served God, they would be carried away by the, the uh, third global empire, really, uh, which was led by uh, the Assyrians. Um, and, and they would go off into obscurity, and, and that left only Judah, where the temple of God was. And it was under the subsequent years and ensuing years that <clears throat> that God would begin to raise up holy prophets like Isaiah and Obadiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, all the great prophets, and begin to warn them that just as they had witnessed the captivity of Israel, so they were about to be taken captive because of the sins of the people. They had become a people that had become so callous 
and they had failed to drive the idolatry out from their midst. Instead, they began themselves to become an idolatrous people, no longer confining themselves to the constraints of a holy life. They began to incorporate the ways of the world, the pagan nations around them. And to make matters worse, rather than just either becoming a pagan or <laughs> and, and being that, which is how they were living, <clears throat> they would bring their compromised lifestyle into the house of God. And over the years, God began to raise up prophets and warn them, don't think just because you have the temple here and because you're still around and your brothers have been taken captive, that I have not been watching you and I have been sending my prophets to you, and yet you refuse to hear. And so what would ultimately happen is it, it would produce a judgment upon the nation that would result in the captivity, which the prophets uh, had prophesied them. And it really it's, a, it's, a, it's really in, in, in essence what we've been talking about in this, in this uh, teaching as we're in part two, the fourth man in the fire, is we are seeing the parallels that happened to them in their day, once again beginning to emerge in our time, in our country, in the West, and in our country here in America, as we are fast approaching the end time, the end days, the final moments of human history upon the earth. And so we need to understand, first of all, that this captivity, like we discussed yesterday, it wasn't some sort of a random event, you know, that just happened to them. It, it had been foretold by their prophets. Their prophets had warned them what would come, and yet they could not see or would not see. It was really a combination of both. The corruption was so thorough that whether it was in the uh, in, in the power base of, of the ruling elite amongst the king and his house, or whether it was in the judicial branch, the political-making branch of the Sanhedrin and, and the judges throughout the land, or even filtering all the way down into the priesthood, uh, from the high priest all the way down to the lowest servant in the temple and the people themselves, the whole nation had become corrupt except for a, a small, tiny remnant. And right. and like them, you know, like them, you know, today um, in our times, uh, whether we realize it or not, a captivity is occurring right now and has occurred. And the truth is, is yeah. that most people have yet to realize what is really happening and what is really going on right now in our times, and what it's leading to. You know, this pandemic is giving way to a, a complete surveillance state. What is just ahead of us is going to accelerate. And what is happening around the world is, is, is so um, unique to the history of the world in that the entire world is experiencing, at the same time, a global lockdown and a global response to it and what is headed and what is headed especially to to the people of of the church now i'm not talking about the world i'm talking about the church in this country who like judah for many years has had prophecies given to it by the true men of god that were raised up early in the 20th century whether it be uh brother tory like my wife likes to talk to me about or 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 brother um, Wilkerson or Brother Ravenhill or Havner, Tozer or, or the other great men of God, even Billy Graham in his day, uh, you know, spoke some very prophetic words. And, and, the, and the brother that used to be the pastor, the chaplain of, um, of the United States Senate early on in the 30s, uh, Brother Peter Marshall Sr., all of these men and many others told this country what was coming and warned it and warned it if it did not turn and did not examine and did not return to the God of their fathers, 
that that events in the future would bring the nation to its knees. And that is where we are today. You know, what what this captivity is leading to, like the days of the captivity of Judah, will be and will culminate with, like when Nebuchadnezzar, which is what we've been talking about, would raise up a golden image and require worship to it, a foreshadow, a prophetic foreshadow of the coming Antichrist lived out in the historical narrative of their day. This is what this is leading to. Now, I know this makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but those of you who have been shut away with God, those of you who have truly been seeking him, not for a day or two, but for years, those of you who have been seeing and hearing and calling out to God and, and, and seeing in his word, you have known and have been shown by the Lord what has been coming. Now, we may not have seen how it was going to unfurl, but we knew that something was up. Because what has happened in this country, and that's what we're focusing on, is is the falling away of, of the established orthodoxy within the American church. It is the final church that's being dealt with. It is the probably most egregious church out of all the churches of the West, where it has had more light, more gospel, more access to the word of God, more voices of prophetic utterance given to it throughout the 20th and early 21st century than any church in the past three, 400 years. And it has brought it to this point. Even as you look at the pandemic, it circled the globe and came to rest on our shores. It was almost as if God was allowing us to see as it moves throughout the planet and, and the response that was taking place amongst the nations of the world, beginning in China and then crossing the sea into Europe. As we began to see thousands and thousands of people dying, we began to see the governments of the world moving as as one to shut their people down and to begin to to uh, to implement draconian uh, surveillance military like reactions to this virus. And all the while, America continued to play its game. And as we crossed into the January of 2020, the false prophets rose up. I even have a film of them talking about all the great things that supposedly were ahead for 2020. As the compromised church in its enthusiasm and arrogance began to rejoice as if they were going to march all the way to the ballot box in November of 2020 and continue the party unabated and, and, and in pride and refusing to pause for a moment and reflect on the suffering that was coming our way. As long as it was over there, it didn't matter. But yet it came. And what this has unleashed is is the beginning of sorrows. What was unleashed is a prophetic foreshadow and fulfillment, if you will, of what is just ahead of us in the days to come. Now, you can agree with me or not, but this is what we believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. And like their captivity which would ultimately lead to this golden image that we're talking about, a foreshadow of the Antichrist and the image that shall be made to the beast and the mark of the beast. What happened to them in Daniel's day was a prophetic foreshadow of what the book of Revelation predicts will happen in Revelation chapter 6, verse 10 through 11, which is the fifth seal, which, which speaks of the persecution of the church. That's where we read and began to read this morning is that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were brought to this image, and they were going to be required to bow down and worship it. And, and, and what we see in that is, 
is a foreshadow of what the book of Revelation says will not be uh, too far ahead of us in the days to come. And that is the unveiling of the fifth seal, which gives way to a persecution of the saints. And also, it was a foreshadow of the Antichrist, the false prophet, the image, the mark of the beast. All of it, which you can read in Revelation chapter 13, verse 5 through 18, it was designed to expose the true saints of God. Just as in our time, these kinds of draconian things that are coming, these surveillance state things, these global vaccination plans, these reworking of the global economy, all of it is leading us to a scenario that we can see in the prophetic scriptures in the book of Revelation. And what we need to understand is this, brothers and sisters, just like in the days of Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, is that when prophetic events begin to unfold, they have the effect of moving the people in a direction that they cannot control or alter once they begin. It's almost like a boat, right, on, on a rushing river of rapids. It's, you know, the force of the water carries the boat forward, and no amount of effort can turn the boat around. It will go forward. And that is where they were, and that is where we are, and what is happening today. Prophetic events have begun. Things are moving the entire world in a particular direction. And like these three Hebrew children and the prophet Daniel, they were born into a situation of this. They were a generation that would experience the prophetic word fulfilled in their time. And once the prophecies began to unfold, and once the scenario that the prophets had declared would come began to happen, nothing could stop it. It began to move society in a direction and the culture of their day in a direction that would ultimately culminate, like we will read later in Daniel chapter 3 in the coming days, where an image was constructed and worship was required of it, or the fiery furnace would lie ahead. And so we began by reading right Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, which is speaking of the setting up of the image and, and, and the requirement to worship it. That is what is being told us in the book of Revelation will be ahead for this end-time church. A separation is going to take place. What we need to understand is that it exposed Hananiah. It exposed Mishael and Azariah. Nebuchadnezzar's image brought them to the forefront. Until right. then, they were kind of in the background. But once this was established, which is what the captivity was always leading to, it would come to this point. And when the image was set up, what it served to do was to bring to the, to the surface the true church of their day. It was the children of Israel in, in Babylon in our day. It will be the saints of the living God. What the image exposed then, it was a, it, and what they were, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were really uh, a type of the tribulation saints. Because uh, all the tribulation saints will be exposed by the image of the Antichrist, which the false prophet is going to set up, just like Nebuchadnezzar did in their day. Now, how they answered the king in Daniel chapter 3, what we just read, how they answered the king is incredibly powerful. Brother Jeremy, can you read verse 16, 316? Yes. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And that's really powerful what, what they said, because what 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 happened just before that is they were called because they refused to bow down and worship the image. And when they were brought before the king, he gave them the opportunity to repent. He gave them the opportunity to change their mind. And what this gives us an insight to is, and remember, this is why we're looking at this, because the reason we're examining these stories is because, first of all, John uh, in the book of Revelation reveals to us that we need to look at these things. Paul told us, look at what happened to them in the past in order to understand how you are to govern and navigate yourself within the confines of when the prophecies begin to be fulfilled. You have to learn from them and take heed so that you don't think you're you're capable of enduring these things without having the same kind of quality that existed in their hearts and lives when these matters came upon them. What this reveals to us is that they were given the chance to change their mind. And and this is what's going to happen in in this up in these upcoming days. You see the heat is going to come down. And 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 the opportunity and the temptation will be because it was a real temptation. I mean, they could yes. hear the crackling of the fire in the furnace, right? I mean, this is a real temptation or test, if you will, of their faith. Everybody's faith is going to be scrutinized. Don't think you're going to be able to go and hide yourself under a rock somewhere. Whether you want to uh, acknowledge it or not does not prevent it from actually happening. Like we said earlier, when prophetic events begin to unfold, it sets in motion a series of events that you cannot control because it's been determined from before the foundation of the earth. It is coming. It is here. And whether you can recognize it or not, it is leading somewhere. And we will see it not too many days hence. And this is why God is beginning to reveal these things in his word so that we can understand the subtleties and the trials, and the temptations, and the many ways during these upcoming months and years just before the unveiling of the Antichrist that are going to try and bring us into a place where we compromise the steadfast dedication that we have to the God that we claim to serve. And when when Nebuchadnezzar gave them the opportunity to change their mind, their response, there was no time out. There was no, let me think about it. They simply said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. And what, what that literally meant was that even though they had been given the opportunity to reconsider, uh, that what the Hebrew reveals there in those words that they used is very powerful. Because in effect, what they were saying is, we're not going to change our minds concerning this edict or this law. Let me tell you something. Laws are being made even as we sit here today. Laws have been being made over the last several decades, culminating now in our time, and laws are being constructed and being implemented even as we sit up under this global pandemic and this global shift and all that's taking place. But some of the laws that are coming are going to require a decision to be made. And this is what they had to endure up against. And what they said was, we are not careful we're not even even close. We don't even have to consider it. We're not going to change our mind concerning this outrageous demonic law that you've passed, O oh, king, because that's what they go on to say. We're talking to you, king. 
And it's this kind of faith that is going to be present in these tribulation saints, this glorious church that Jesus is coming for. We see a reflection of it in these three beautiful Hebrew children, actually young men by this point. We're not going to change our mind concerning this law, this matter. What's interesting, notice as well, is it's a unified bunch. The true church of Jesus Christ is going to have a collective response to this fiery trial that is ahead of us. They said, we. It wasn't like Hananiah said, well, let me think about it. Mishael says, yeah, my, my, my. no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> All of them. Yes, All of right. them collectively. So what does this teach us as well? In this tribulation, in this beginning of sorrows, which we believe we have either just begun or have already crossed the threshold, what we are witnessing, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, is the vitality or the vital and necessary component of aligning yourself with other faithful believers, with people that are steadfast just like you. I'm yeah. telling you right now that the days of hanging out with your brother who, who, who hangs out in false doctrine or who lives a compromised life or churches that are all up in the world and pretend to be Christian, that's got to come to a stop. Yeah. You're going to have to find some other Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniels in your life, and that's who you need to hook up with. Because when the time comes, you're going to need each other's strength, and you're going to need the collective power that will be poured upon you as you're unified in one thing, and that is absolute defiance of what God is revealing is coming. Understand, this was their moment of prophetic trial, and they were more than ready for it, man. They were more than ready for it. But to understand such qualities, because before we get to this Mark of the Beast thing that we might talk about it uh, tomorrow, actually on Thursday, let us understand the quality that, that we can learn from. Because their event, their historical truth that they went through is a prophetic foreshadow of the times that are just ahead of us. And the reason we're looking at these stories is so that we can understand the kind of spiritual quality that is going to be necessary, spirit, soul, and body, to help us to endure what is being revealed to us is about to take place in the not-too-distant future in the prophetic words of his holy prophets and apostles. How they reacted, it reveals what we have to become, what we must become now in, ahead of this. Notice when they stood before the king and, and, and were required to worship the image which they refused to do, they were already at that point. They were already fully matured in God. They didn't have time to go and, and, and develop. They were already developed. And in the stories that we're looking at this week, what we're going to see, it was a progressive leading. Each, each situation under the captivity produced a deeper and a more uh, an incredible tool, if you will, of resistance being worked in their spirit with each successive victory under the captivity and the heat of the trial of their generation. It reveals to us what we have to become as well now so we can understand the spiritual qualities that must be and we must have resident in us so that we can stand in the hour of our trial, right? In, in, in the fiery furnace that's ahead of us. So, Brother so, Marty, what, what, what we're saying and what we're seeing through Scripture is that a, a trap uh, 
a, a trap was set in motion. It was in yes. the process to ultimately, um, you know, corner Christians, whether it was through uh, the changing of laws, uh, the music that would be used to um, to worship the, yeah the, the image and so forth and so on and 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 many things right something was set in motion to ultimately attack the the, the children of God and to bring yeah. a trial and a persecution to them. The same is taking place today, and we have to have eyes to see that, and that's the difficult part is that we we are so blinded, we, our sights are so blurry to to yeah. what's really taking place that we're so superficial and so we think so in the natural that we don't understand these spiritual things that we're talking about. Because as long as we have, you know, uh, our fun and, 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 you know, we have our rights and we, we have our constitutional rights, then, then we're good, you know. But, and, th- and this is, and we spoke about this uh, many times at length, you know, this is this is where the the church is so deceived because, um, you know, what, what's being preached today out of out of the pulpit is, is that the church has to set the culture for the world today, right? Mm-hmm. The church has to set the culture. We have to let the world know that Jesus is cool, and that church is something cool to do, and and if we can just set the culture in America, then people will come to Jesus. No. Right. No, no, this is not what the Hebrew children were doing, the three Hebrew children were doing in Daniel. They were completely anti-culture of the day. Yeah. That's right. extreme. They were saying, no, we don't want any, we have already made up our minds. We are not going to have anything to do with what's taking place here. Because this world is not our home. Right? We're just passing through. They understood that. They understood that... The kingdom they belonged to was spiritual, was not of this world. So this is this is the kind of extreme action when you speak about you're going to have to surround yourself with brethren of like faith. We're not kidding. This no. is what it's coming down to. <laughs> yes, this is, is what it's coming down to. Whether you like it or not, this is what's coming. But people that have eyes to see, they're already preparing themselves. Yes, they're already they are. connected with spiritual people. They're already connected with, with praying partners. They are, they're yeah. seeing these things. There is a remnant that is seeing these things happen, and they are praying. They are in the Word. They're sharing the Word together, and 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 that's one of the reasons we came to the people with this podcast, right? Because we're beginning to see these things, not just us, right? Many people around the world. So, wanted yeah. to bring that forth. Yeah. So, uh, so that's 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 good. That's excellent, and that is that is exactly what we're beginning to see, and. And and so you know, let us you know, let's glean from the extraordinary things that are revealed in their lives, because before they get to the image, which is a foreshadow of the image of the beast and the mark of the beast and the false prophet and all that stuff, before they get there, there is a series of tests that they had to to go through, because they're headed there. And 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 I believe that the Holy Spirit has 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 revealed or hidden in Daniel chapter 1, 2, and 3 the progression that leads to the image and, and what we are to look for and understand in the historical narrative of what happened to the cap, in the captivity of Judah being carried away into Babylon. And we're going to see a series of three tests 
Today, we won't be able to go through those three tests. We'll, we'll pick up that tomorrow, but we will look at the first test. And we're going to understand it from, from the perspective of that which is revealed by the Spirit. Here is the mind that has wisdom, and, and let him that hath understanding, he said, count or calculate the number of the beasts. Now listen, we will begin with with the flow of the prophetic pattern that we can see and understand. We're going to look at their lives and yes. what they what they were like and how they arrived at that moment because that's what we're going to need to have resident and flourishing and bearing fruit to, in all our lives. He that endures to the end, the Bible says, shall be saved. So listen, the captivity that they were going to go under was really a foreshadow of our time. It is like the it is like the beginning of sorrows, brother Jeremy. Can you read verse one and two of uh, of of uh, chapter two? No, chapter one. Chapter one. Okay. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Yes. So <clears throat> what we first see here is what I would call and how the Holy Spirit has ministered to me can be considered what Jesus called in Matthew 24, 8, the beginning of sorrows. Mm. This was the beginning of sorrows for them. You see, they came into a captivity. They were taken from their land, and it, it, it began. The imposition of a global state and a global power dictated their times. And they were taken away from all that had been familiar, from all that had been a blessing, from all that they had known, the comfort of, of what they had once known, was 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 specifically at a particular moment it was imposed upon them and their whole world was turned upside down in essence it was like the beginning of sorrows it reveals much about them you know in verse one and two we see the pattern beginning to emerge because they're taken captive so this onset of the beginning of sorrows in many ways begins with a captivity it is what we are seeing today many people don't get it yet but you're gonna get it you're gonna see you're gonna realize that all of this has been concealed in the word of god until now the seals are coming off and that which is necessary to understand is beginning to be revealed to those to whom it shall be revealed. To the wicked, as God said, within his house, to the compromised, they will not get it. They will just continue to go on until it's too late, until they're absorbed and no longer able to, uh, you know, to, to even have a room to turn back. But see, these, these four, our attention begins to be drawn to them, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were taken captive and the captivity was just the beginning of sorrows. And they're brought into another land. 
It is going to be that way now. How many times have you heard over the last several weeks and months, really, that we're, that we're going to emerge into a new world? Or, mm-hmm. or how do they say it now? It's, it's going to be completely different, right? It's not going to be the right. same. It's all, so what, what is being said? And why is, when you see phrases like that, when you hear them over and over and over, the discerning child of God, he, he hears and realizes something's being said here. And what we're being told is all that we have known before pandemic, coming out of it now, everything's changed. It is the beginning of sorrows. And a captivity has come upon the whole planet. And America, which has known greater freedom, than freedom, the church in America, which has known greater freedom than any other nation ever in the history of the world, is emerging into a new culture, a new reality. And, and I'm telling you, it's the beginning of sorrows. And, and the good people and the compromised people and even the sinner out there who doesn't even know God, all of us experience it together. Because this is what happened to Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were good, decent. Ezekiel, he was part of all this. They were good, decent, God-fearing, God-dedicated people. But they had to come up under a system of, of, of judgment for their time and prophetic fulfillment, just like all the rest. And it's something we need to understand. Because God could have rescued them if he wanted to. But he's trying to communicate something to us. This was the beginning of their sorrow. And everything they had known was now completely changed. And they were brought into a Babylonian captivity. A global captivity. Which was giving rise, if you will, in the next couple of chapters, to a a total figure of the Antichrist. That is where this is headed. But I digress. So what are we told? And, and, let, me, and, and let me say right. this, Brother Marty. This, this is prophetic and spiritual. It's not political. This is not an attack on America alone and our freedoms. This is a global thing. And, yes. and, and Americans have to understand that because, you know, we think that if we go to, the, to, to vote, then that we could change the course of, of things. No, I heard a preacher on TV say that if every Christian in America voted conservative, then we we can reelect and control the White House. That's what he said. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, that's that's not what the Bible says is coming and what's going to take place. This is this is more than just you losing your rights and your right to preach and have freedom of religion. No, this is this is what the Bible says is coming at the end of the world, the end of time. So yes. we have to understand that, and and that's that's where a lot of people are caught up on. And we have to say it. You know, they're not seen with spiritual eyes, with prophetic eyes. They're seen with with uh, 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 patriotic eyes, so to speak, right? You right. Know? And if there was if there was anybody that was patriotic, it was the Apostle Paul. He was a Hebrew. Man. He was a Jewish man. But in, in Romans, he he speaks about that. He says, "Look, uh, my desire is that my people would get saved." But it's not about my patriotism. It's about preaching the gospel. <laughs> yeah. right? It's about preaching yeah. the gospel. That's what it's all about. Right. So I, I just want to bring that forth. No, so that's what we're told, right? I mean, and that's, what, that's a good point is that, and that is what we're saying. You know, we're seeing the pattern emerge again. 
in our time. And it is, and it is more than just a, uh, a principle that we're talking about. We are stepping out telling you, by the Holy Spirit we pray, and we know, that be, we know it because of the Bible and what the scriptures reveal, that we have begun. And, and whether you can see it or not, it's begun. And it's been leading to this. Just because you're inundated with 10-second sound bites, your Instagram, your your Twitters, your you know your 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 minute uh, perusing of the news of the day, and then then you're then you're saturated with images and 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 delicacies of, of this Babylonian system that has gripped our country, that has gripped the church, and 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 it, it has deadened you to to see that the unfolding of prophetic history has has been in works for a hundred years or more. And it's culminating now. It's coming to this. Remember, the prophets came to Judah well in advance, decades in advance of their captivity, just as the church in this country had its prophets raised up from the earliest times, the closing of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th, and all throughout it, God sent prophets. Many of them were were rejected. Many of them were mocked. Many of them were disfellowshipped because they preached the word that in many ways was for our time, yet it was a it was a warning so that the people would reflect, but they didn't. And the 20th century gave way to 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 a to a huge huge sign when the two towers in New York came crumbling down to earth, when when the Pentagon was attacked, when when the planes were shut down, and and all that on September the 11th, and and it, and it wasn't enough to change the nation, yet it was the beginning of sorrows. A captivity was coming because out of that, if you remember that, that famous Patriot Act was passed, right, where everybody Mm -hmm. became uh, under surveillance surveillance of the state and a global global spy network by the governments of the world began to, to, to be constructed around the world to the point now that the entire world is being monitored. And it, and it's happened right in front of a sleeping church that refused to hear all the while and turn so that maybe God, like he did with Nineveh, would spare a generation. But this has given way to the 2008 Great Global Depression. We never thought we'd see such a thing. When all the houses collapsed, millions were out of their home, people lost their jobs. And then what happens? The church decides in its backslidden state to back a political candidate and ride uh, themselves into a kingdom on earth. That's what the church did. It put a man in the White House. And many of you will get mad at me for saying this, but that's exactly what happened. And they hitched their wagon, not to the kingdom of heaven, but to the kingdom of men. And they became drunk with power. They they began to walk the halls of the White House. They began to think that they're all that. Their churches went further and further into false doctrine to where you don't have any gospel being preached from behind pulpits. And our churches that were once bastions of deliverance and salvation became nothing more than a Kiwanis club or a boys and girls club or whatever kind of club you want to call it. It became a community outreach center as opposed to a place where the brokenhearted could be healed, marriages could be put back together, and drug addicts could be delivered, and sinners could be saved and have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And God all this time has been pleading until now. Here we are. And the beginning of sorrows has already happened. 
And, and, and like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we've been taken captive, whether you can see it or not. And it's going to become more and more apparent just in the not too, in weeks, if not days, you're going to start hearing crazy stuff, what they want to do. So, one of the examples, <laughs> go ahead. Yes. You know, one of the examples we see here, you know, as these young men, these four young men went into captivity, their Hebrew names testifies of something else. As you spoke yesterday, Brother Marty, Daniel meant God is judge. Azariah, Jehovah has helped. Misael, who is what God is. Hananiah, God has favored. But what happened? When they fell into this captivity, the first thing that is done is that their names are changed. Daniel to Belshazzar, Hananiah to Shadrach, Misael to Meshach, Azariah to Abednego. And that's very and, and that's and that's what the enemy has done in this hour. That's what we need to redefine what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be the yeah. church of the living God. The the enemy has desensitized the people and with that, whether we know it or not, we have come under, under this spirit, this Babylonic, Babylonian spirit that is moving, that has changed. We have changed the, the name. We have changed, you know, spiritually speaking, what what it is. And now Christians are left, you know, uh, right wing conservatives. You know, no, yeah, we're Christians I, first. I, yeah, and I hear what you're saying, and, and, and better better said, I know what you're saying, and, and let's try to say it this way, and I think this is what you're saying, is understand that, that when they changed their names and gave them the, their, those labels, rather than Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniel, and changed their names to, to Babylonian names, it is, it is in essence what happened to all Christians, compromised and good. See, the compromised church has risen to such a level with such power, whether it be the hyper-charismatic faith or the, or the, or the hyper-crazy Pentecostal church or that drive the media in so-called Christianity, so forth and so on. They've made such a mo mockery of the gospel, turning it into you know, a, a myopic religion that seeks its own uh, satisfaction and, and that Jesus died on the cross so I could have a better life here and now your best life here and now. As a result of that, the label that is placed upon Christianity and those that follow the, 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 you know, the Christian faith, everyone has been labeled with the same label. We're all, we're all lumped in together. That's right. Just like Dan you know, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were. But Brother yeah. Marty, and that's ex exactly what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say. Except you're yeah. saying it in a more sophisticated way, you know? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but you know what it's we all that education here, I have, brother. <laughs> but uh but you know, but this is this is what's impactful of everything we're saying. Daniel at a young age, along with his brothers, you know, the, the his his three brothers, he was he was able to discern that the enemy was trying to defile him. Right? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> okay. I'll stop right there. It's hard it's, it's hard to teach with these preachers. I tell you what. Uh, you know me, man, and, 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 and there's much more to glean before we get to that because we, okay, we talked okay. about verse we talked about verse one and verse two as being a type of, of, of the beginning of sorrows that Jesus talked about in twenty four eight and we we've talked about that at length. But then this gives way to 
to verse 3 and 4, because verse 3 and 4 gives us an account of their abilities under, un, under mm-hmm. the captivity. They, they came with these abilities. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy? Just read uh, 3 and 4, would you? Yes. And the king spoke unto Aspenas, the master of his, of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princess. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So check this out. When they come into captivity, and we talked about that being a foreshadow of the beginning of sorrows. Now, as they enter into their experience, our attention is drawn to to this list of of of, of people that are well favored, skillful, wisdom, cunning, and knowledge, understanding science, having the ability to stand in the presence of the king. One of the things that this age is giving way to is that the Babylonian system is going to seek to separate and take the best for itself, including the children of the church, the true children, because Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and and Azariah were all part of this group. And and as a side note, what does this reveal to us? Because remember, they were, this is what is said of them uh, when they arrive in verse three and four. It's not like they had to become the skillful, understanding science, able to stand in the presence of the king. They were already like that. And what that reveals about Dana, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah it, it, it is a bit about what their parents were like. That's right. What kind of mm-hmm. what kind of families they came from. And this yeah. let this be a, a let this be something to us today that and to those of you out there that have children or grandchildren, it is incumbent upon our families to train our children in the fear of the Lord. Understand yeah. that many of those people that that were around Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Ezekiel, and, and the good, uh, true, solid believers that were taken up under this prophetic time, they didn't they were they didn't come with them into the captivity. A generation died off, but right. but their children were appointed for this time, yes. and the greatest gift that they could give them, praise God, Hallelujah was the fear of the Lord, because it was going to get them the final way. It was going to bring them through the fire in the upcoming days. And so they arrived with skill and ability, and in their case, it was garnered, cherished, nurtured, and caused to grow up under a solid family unit, a solid community of faith and belief in their case. But Remember, they had abilities, but so did the others. But the events that were about to transpire now in the next two verses are going to reveal to us that those very events were going to cause a separation to begin. It's prophetic parallels of our time. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse 5 and 6 now? Yes. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, 
Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah. So our attention is drawn there. So again, what we were talking about was 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 Daniel chapter one, verse one and two. It reveals uh, Matthew twenty four eight, the beginning of sorrow, because we're talking about end time events and how this story that we're reading, this historical story, was a prophetic foreshadow of our time, uh, of what what this is leading to and all that transpired. God declares the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, Isaiah 45, right? And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. So in verse 1 and 2, we see the beginning of sorrows, Matthew 24, verse 8. In verse 5 and 6, then, uh, notice what he says here in verse uh, in verse 5. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. That's a very significant thing, what, what that reveals to us. Because remember, this is a type of the tribulation period. Right. It begins with sorrows. It goes into the beginning of the tribulation period, which lasts for seven years. So the first thing that we see, remember, is that our attention is drawn to this time where a king's table will be spread before them. It reveals the first three years of the tribulation period, because what we are told in the Bible is when this Antichrist figure arises, the first three, three and a half years of his of his arrival will be a time of great peace and prosperity and, and compromise, really. It'll look good, right. even though the captivity is raging all around them, right? Remember, the Antichrist is not revealed for being the Antichrist. Uh, that image that you have to bow down to until the final three and a half years. And so what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us here is that the first part of the tribulation is going to be a time of seducing, of temptation, of seduction. Read Read verse five again, Brother Jeremy. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And verse 6 says, that's when our attention is drawn to, to Daniel, Hananiah, and Azariah of the children of Judah. These are the holy people. And so what the Holy Spirit is revealing here is, is that a time of seduction begins to unfold. And that even the holy people are going to have spread before them the king's meat and the king's drink for three years. The, the first part of the tribulation period will be a time of ensnaring. Remember, by the time we get to the final three and a half years of human history, when the Antichrist is taken possession of and becomes the Antichrist and the false prophet and all that, that's when the image appears. That's when the mark appears. But before that, we're told in Daniel later in chapter 7, 8, 9, all the way through to 12, this Antichrist figure is going to present himself as a, as a prince of peace. By peace, he will deceive many, and and he will institute a, there will be a time upon the earth that will be a seductive time. It'll be a time of, of presentation to both the good and the bad, and that's why attention is drawn to these boys. The king's meat, the king's wine, the king's table. Remember this, the Holy Spirit draws our attention there because remember 
that the meat that would be at the king's table, it was meat that was dedicated and offered to demonic gods, to idols. And so what was being presented to them was idols, uh, the meat, the meat of the world, the drink of the world, the table of the world. It was filled with things, delicacies and, 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 and things, but their origin is demonic because it came from the temples of false gods, the choicest of it. This temptation, right. this, this final unfurling, what we're about to head into is going to give way to a seduction. Because remember, the, the woman rides the beast, right? As we see here in Revelation 16, 17, and 18. I mean, she rides this beast, and she's a seductress. So, so before all things culminate with the final three and a half years of absolute terror and horror, this great seduction is being presented. Remember, a transition of generations had occurred. Right. Many, had already, uh, many had already perished. And 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 they didn't go on into uh, their time with Dan and I, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael. The older generation had passed, giving way to this. Kind of makes me think of Brother Zechariah, you know, who went home to be today with the Lord. Right? It makes me think of, you know, the the, the several other uh, men and women of God faithful, many whose names we don't know. But a generation is passing. And as they're passing, we're entering in this kind of a time period. And and we must be ready for it. And 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 we must learn for for how they how they uh how they responded. Because as you'll see, and we go on tomorrow and the next day, you're going to see that this was the first test up under the captivity and the beginning of sorrows and the threshold of the first three years of the tribulation period ahead of us. Right. Daniel, in the midst of this temptation, and, and let me let me tell you something. Jesus told us, because iniquity was going to, to abound, that the love of many would wax cold. Because what we're about to see, which is where Brother Jeremy got, got ahead of me all enthusiastically, I know he sees it, is, is, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is, is verse 8. Read verse 8, Brother Jeremy. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Really, Daniel was, was speaking for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as we'll see uh, a little bit later as we come to a close this morning. But, but what we learned from this, see, this temptation was real. They're not around... Uh, where they used to be. They're about as far away as you can get from what they had once known. And in their privileged state, uh, what it brought them to was access. And what it brought them to was the temptations of the world. We're not talking about, you know, some little <laughs> resort here. We're talking about the finest things that the world could possibly offer you. The young maidens walking around serving all these boys. You know the the music playing in the background. You're 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 in the banqueting hall of Babylon, man. <laughs> this is this yeah, is intense. Yeah. All right. So don't think this was some easy thing to just go. Eh, who cares? No, man. I don't care who you think you are. These boys reflect what we need to become. 
because it's yeah. just the head. And and it says he purposed in his heart. They purposed in their heart. And that word purposed is very revealing because it means to absolutely fix, determine, and establish and set his heart. He was yeah. absolutely fixed that he would not uh, defile himself. He was determined. This is all an advancement, right? It's an advanced kind of thinking. He saw what was going on around him. He knew it was leading to this, but he had already established it. He had, and they had, this kind of spiritual character and quality already developed in advance of this first test. Their hearts were established. Now look, the heart is very insightful too because he purposed in his heart. That word heart means his will, his intellect, his soul, and his spirit, his entire being spirit, soul, and body, was established to serve his God, their God. This is the quality of the kind of church that will begin to emerge. And what must be uh, really brought into to bear from the example of these, these prophetic foreshadows and these historical narratives that are revealing our time to us is that we must begin to examine ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. Because if you're weak in any three of these areas, you're not going to stand. We must be trained the spirit, soul, and body and determined in the will, in the intellect, in the soul, in the spirit, our complete being, or you will not be able to stand. But, but Daniel was there. His three companions were there. These boys were there to do what? To not defile themselves. And the word defile is really powerful, Brother Jeremy, because it means to defile, to pollute, or to desecrate. Now, this is serious yes. business because... Because what you're talking about here is what, and what we're trying to say and what we're trying to prepare ourselves for is we are going to come up against such a heavy-duty, tempting, and seducing spirit in this age. You know, it's not going to be all horrible from here on out. It's going to become something really bizarre, man. And you're going to see a, a flood of, of sensuality and, and decadence. You think we've seen yes. it to this point? You ain't seen nothing yet. But it's right. going to have an, an energized component of Babylon itself. And so you better determine now. I better determine now. We better determine now. Before we get to this first test, which they were already ready for, that whether it be by will, intellect, soul, spirit, or body, we are set, established, determined, and fixed that we will not be polluted with the things of this world. Now, brother, that is not a message that, that this modern-day megachurch wants to hear because it wants to be able to go to its movie houses and see all the latest filth that Hollywood is putting out there, which compromises the very Jesus they claim to serve. They don't want to hear about how you should be dressing modestly, young lady or young woman or, or right. husband or wife. They don't want to hear about the sanctity and the consecration and the holiness that we're being called to because they look right. at it as a limiting thing. They, they cry grace, grace, that they're free to do such things. Well, right. there was only four who emerged from this test. It was only Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael. All their brothers who claim to be of Judah too, that came from Jerusalem, oh, they're enjoying that table, man. But you see, Daniel, <laughs> yeah. 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's something far more intense going on here. They purpose not to defile or pollute or desecrate themselves. And it also has that meaning. That word defile, it means uh, uh, not to desecrate yourself in a manner that it removes you from the priesthood. That's intense. Because that, 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 that's also what that desecration means, a removal from the priesthood. Know ye not that you are kings and priests of the Lord? Yes. And that this kind of defilement, this kind of thing. Now we begin to understand why the book of Revelation tells us, come out from her, my people, and, and uh, that you be not partakers of her sins, nor receive of her plagues, right? Speaking of the spirit of Babylon, what we're seeing now. Now, let me say this. Also. And what we also learn, brothers, what we also learn is, is, is remember that the qualities that we're seeing are spiritual qualities that are already present in their life before the test. And consider and understand, they developed like this even though they were surrounded by a culture and a backslidden church in Jerusalem before the captivity. What we've been seeing in America over the last 10, 20, 30 years is a complete falling away of established Orthodox Christianity, giving way to a false church and a compromised culture within the church. Well, the same kind of condition was around when Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and the boys were all in Jerusalem before the captivity. And they were able to develop this kind of purposed heart that was dedicated spirit, soul, and body to the point that they wouldn't defile themselves anywhere, not let alone here. They were already like that, which proves to us that we can develop a relationship with God in the midst of the most crooked or perverse generation because they did yes. it. Yes. They developed like this even though they were surrounded by that culture, that backslidden church in Jerusalem. And it reveals how they walked as lights. They walk like examples to their compromised brothers. And if we ever need it now, we need it more than ever. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus said, that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father which is in, in heaven. Okay. So how did Daniel tell? Daniel said, what did he say? Yeah, read verse 11 and 12 to us, would you, Brother Jeremy? Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Prove thy servants. I beseech thee ten days, and let them, let them give us poles to eat and water to drink. And then verse 13. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, Deal with thy servants. Praise the Lord. See, he was not afraid to be bold, man. You know, he said, look, man, I'm going to show you the difference between their walk with God and our walk with God. Because he's talking about his brothers from Jerusalem. Let them go ahead and eat from the king's table. They're going to do that. This, this fallen church is going to get worse, brothers. But Daniel said, we, we are not going to act this way. And, and he was bold enough and not afraid to be bold and show the difference between their walk with God and the compromised walk that those who were supposed to be believers had. 
and, and I want to tell you something. This is this is what's happening now, and it yes. and it will happen more and more in these days ahead. It's already begun in this tribulation period that we're approaching. Two yes. churches are going to emerge, and that's what Daniel was basically saying. That's what the Spirit of God is saying up under this trial, this tribulation of three years, this seductive thing that's just ahead of us. Two churches are going to emerge, and that's what Daniel was saying. There's going to be in our time. There's going to be uh, the the compromised church that, that that eats from the king's table, unable to resist. And there'll be like a, a Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, glorious church, right? That it, it, it passes the first test, which was the temptation to partake of the king's table. That is the test that's ahead of us. The difference is going to be striking. It's going to be striking because something's going to come upon you, brothers and sisters, yes. when you're hearing that. If you're hearing what we're saying, read verse 15, would you? Yes. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. My God. See, this difference that's coming in this time just ahead, brothers, your consecration. And I'm going to tell somebody, I'm going to, I feel like I need to just stop just for a second before we close here and say this. What we determine now will determine how we go through what is just ahead of us. And we must begin to prepare ourselves, our wives, our children, our grandchildren, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever your situation may be, your neighbor, your friend, we must begin to prepare each other in our own private place with the Lord and, and, and begin to determine like they did, spirit, soul, and body, to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal this to us so that we are fully equipped and that we walk this consistent, diligent walk what we are talking about is not religion. What we are talking about is heavenly destiny. What we are talking about has its origin, as we've been talking for the last six weeks, in the ancient past. This is a conflict of the ages. This is a, 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 a fight between light and dark. And we know that the victory has been won on Calvary and on the third day at the resurrection. This is it. And what the Spirit of God is revealing is if you will do this, there is going to be a striking difference between the real and the false. The glory of the Lord is going to rest upon this church, this glorious church, like it did them in their time. And look what happens when you pass the test. Verse 16, Brother Jeremy. Thus. Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. I actually gave them more nutritional, you know, vegetables and stuff <laughs> to eat, you know. Uh, but, but what do we see there? The temptation was removed from them. A series of tests, uh, they, they, they were being called to pass. And this was the first one, the three years, right? This is the first half of the tribulation period. But because they determined these things and they overcame the, the, the meat and the drink was removed from them. God is telling you and telling us that he's going to remove a lot of the things 
that have been coming against you, whether it be temptation of the mind, the passions of your body, the, 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 the slothfulness of your spirituality, these temptations to make you slothful, to make you uh, ignore what God is telling you to do, if you will persevere like they did, determine in your heart, and we determine in our heart like they did, that we will not pollute ourselves. And let me tell you something. I don't care what you were doing three months ago. Today is the day. You have an opportunity right now to make a quality choice and decision by the strength and the leading and the, and the wooing of the Spirit of God to, to make that decision to do what is necessary for your survival and all those that God is going to place within the sphere of your influence as we head into these days. The temptation was removed from them. And so a lifting of that kind of satanic seduction and attack that, that, that forms itself in many and varying ways it's going to be taken from you because you're going to be brought into something else. Two more tests remain for Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, right? I mean, it's coming. We're going to read about it in chapter 2 and chapter 3, which we'll explore more tomorrow. But what did God do for them? Once the temptation and they succeeded, Brother Jeremy, what, what did God do for them in, in, in verse 17? As for these four children... God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So notice what's happening. As they make their way through these three years, the course of it, what's being produced in them, and why such intensity came against them, was this is what's waiting for this glorious church. Knowledge, skill, learning wisdom, and the Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. Revelation knowledge and skill in the things of God is about to be given. To those who will walk as they walked, they will begin to understand and be able to dissect exactly what's going on. See, when they finally came before the king, having passed this first test, read to us verse 19 and 20, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And the king commanded, excuse me, and the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, astrologers that were in all his realm. This is the glorious church. Remember, they're still headed to chapter 3 where they're going to have to uh, be brought to the furnace of fire. That's the end of the tribulation period. And remember that they will be prepared once they get there. But the testimony here, what you just re read, is that they have become a glorious church. Ten times better not just in those dudes in front of in front of him, but everyone everywhere in the entire world, <laughs> his entire realm. What yeah. lies ahead, and we'll 
gospel. That, that's their testimony. And that's going to be the testimony of this end time church. That's what we're being scrutinized about right now. The heat, the, the stove has been turned on, if you will. I mean, the fire of examination and scrutiny has begun. And under the Holy Spirit's guidance, reproof, correction, counsel, comfort, teaching, instruction, and revealing all things that concern our Lord Jesus Christ, he is going to make us that glorious church. Those who hear what we're saying, you will be like this. We will be like this if we yes. persevere. So yes. what lies ahead tomorrow will we'll continue part three. What lies ahead is, is, is test number two. So I encourage you do some homework, uh, those that are listening in your Bibles, and read chapter two and three. And, and, and we're going to see that there's two more tests that come as we approach the coming of what the Book of Revelation is, is telling us uh, is just ahead. You know, these great servants of God, these these men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Ezra, um, they really are a foreshadow of, of the end time glorious church, like we've been discussing. Yeah. Yeah, and and remember. And remember this, it will be revealed, listen to what I'm about to tell you, because in chapter 2, this is mid-trib, right? This is where they are. Three years have gone by. Listen to, listen to this, because this is what the Lord told me. He said, it will be revealed to them, to them, Ananiah, Mishael, Ezra, and Daniel. In chapter 2, you'll see it, that the whole of all the global empires of all history it will be revealed to them and it will be made clear to them as as it will be made clear to us in these end of days. And we will begin to understand what all of history has always been about. Because that's what happens to them. And we'll look at that tomorrow. And, and, and also the, the great stone that they saw in chapter 2 when God revealed to them the, the king's dream. They, they also have that revealed to them. Uh, it was revealed to them the great stone that destroys all the image of all the global empires. So what was revealed to them uh, was, was the coming of the Lord. And just as the return of the Lord uh, be, uh, being near uh, to us will be revealed to us, I think, in these last days, right? It's going to be revealed in advance of the mark of the beast, in advance of the image, because that's what we see. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was revealed to them in chapter 2, and what God is saying, like Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, and Daniel, that a glorious church uh, will stand because it's strong, it's undefiled, it's prepared, and it has secret information, brothers. <laughs> it knows Jesus is coming. The fourth man is going to appear in the fire. And tomorrow we're going to examine, uh, you know, uh, the second and third tests of Daniel 2 and 3. Because that's in chapter 1 was all about this whole preparation was about bringing them into a position to have what Brother Jeremy quotes all the time, which is the, a great scripture, one of my favorites in chapter 12, verse 10 of Daniel, that the wise are going to understand because they will have been tried and purified and made white. They're going to understand like the archangel Gabriel told uh, the angel Gabriel told Daniel that in the end time, the book would be unsealed and the mysteries of it would begin to unfold before our very eyes. Chapter 2, they in their time had revealed to them the entirety of human history. It made sense to them and they saw the stone come and smite the image on its feet. 
just as in our time, we will understand the culmination of all things, and we too will see the coming of the Lord. We'll know that he's drawing near. Before we close, I just want to read this scripture because and bring you some encouragement. And I hope that you go back and listen to this because we covered a lot. And, and I hope that you review it, those of you that are following us, and those of you who might hear it at a later date. The Apostle Peter told the church that was up under trial in his day. He told them this. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if necessary, you shall be brought into heavy uh, heaviness through manifold trials and testings in order that the trying of your faith, which is more precious than of gold, that perishes, yes. though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom though you have not seen, Yet you love him, and in whom, though you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, receiving the end of your faith, salvation of your souls. Glorious days are ahead for those that know the Lord Jesus Christ. These days will not catch us unaware. God is speaking. If you can hear, call upon him today while you can, while he's near. And let him take full and absolute control of your life for his glory, for his honor. A world lies ahead of us that he's making for his children. And it will be a glorious and marvelous day, the perfect day because the Lord is soon to come. Let us take heart from what we learn from these, these, these uh, historical accounts, which are prophetic events of our time just ahead. And let us take it serious and allow the Spirit of God to train us, prepare us, and equip us to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 My, my. What a powerful way to uh, end this study of the word with the scripture. Um, and I, I'm not going to add anything to it because I think it's just it's important to let this sit in your heart right now and meditate where we find ourselves in time. And we pray that uh, you join us tomorrow uh, as we continue in this story in, in, and that you would be with us and reflect on these things. And uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.